as we bring this series to a, conclu- to a conclusion, which we call uh, Adore Him. All right, Matthew 1, verse 20 through 21. Mary has been engaged to uh, Joseph. She's come up pregnant. Uh, the scripture has told us it's the work of the Holy Spirit. Joseph uh, has not bought that as an answer. And so verse 20, here's, here it is. He's decided to, uh, to break the engagement. And then it says, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son. You are to name him, shall name him, Jesus, for he will save, shout his people, from, shout their sins, their sins. All right, please be seated. God bless us. I remember the first time that I heard Little Drummer Boy, and it immediately became my favorite Christmas carol. I was about eight years old. And I was sitting in front of a TV watching that classic Christmas carol, which was also named The Drummer Boy. The character in that carol was a young boy by the name of Aaron, who, as a toddler, his parents had been killed, and he had been kidnapped by this band of caravanning bandits. Somehow, through a chain exchange of events, he would end up in Bethlehem, right beside the Magi. His closest friend in the world, a lamb, would have come near, close to losing his life, and out of a plea of desperation, he was asking for help. And one of the magi says, if you get to the newborn king, that little baby, maybe there's a miracle for you. Everybody shout, maybe there's a miracle today. And so he pushes his way through the crowd, and, and, and there he sees Mary, and he sees Joseph, and, and he is, he's, he's stunned by what he finds, this baby in this feeding trough and the sense is that the light of his glory comes out and the 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 hymn the 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 carol verses really starts to narrate his experience from that point as a matter of fact the first verse narrates what the magi had said to him uh at the beginning it says come they told me and then of course you know the 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 song go bum rum bum 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 i'm not gonna do that through all these verses but (laughs) that's my favorite part i love that boy a newborn king to see, our finest gifts we bring to lay before the king. You'll recall that the Magi, according to Matthew, brought gifts of frankincense, gold, and myrrh because they were wealthy. But he says, as he looks at this baby boy lying in the manger, he says, little baby, you remember the baby's lying in a feeding trough. I'm a poor boy too. I have no gift to bring that fits that's fit to give our king, shall I play for you? And then he says, Mary nodded. The ox and the lamb kept time. That meant that all creation got engaged with his playing. He said, I played my drum for him. I I played my best for him. Then he, the little baby Jesus, smiled at me, at me. And my drum. I just find this to be so incredibly powerful. And the real way to decode this carol is to recognize that this notion of the drum is really equated to the little boy's life. I'm going to get back to that 
at the end of this message. I, I identified with this little boy because I was about eight years old and my parents uh, had uh, ended their relationship in divorce and I was now being raised in Louisiana by my grand aunt and uncle and I was in a house surrounded by love, but I felt like an orphan. How many of you may know that experience, that it's possible to be in circumstances where you are being uniquely loved, but because of what's going on inside of you, you feel so unloved. That's where I was. And so uh, inside of that story, I was resonating with this little boy, and like the little boy, I was surprised to discover that my story was actually in the Christmas story. Ask the person next to you. You know that your story is in the Christmas story. Tell yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if Jesus showed up for all of us, it means that, that that story intersects with all of us in some unique and surprising ways. Let me just point out one way in which Jesus' story connects with a, a, a group of us here in a very surprising way. Ask the person next to you, do, do you know that Jesus Christ was adopted? He was adopted. Those of you who were here last weekend, you know I made this point. I'm going to remake it again today. That I find this fascinating, particularly as a young man who was adopted by my granduncle and aunt and raised. This is an incredible point for me. And Matthew wants us to be clear about this. Make no mistake about it. He begins in chapter 1, verse 1, laying out the ancestry that Jesus would ultimately become a part of. He says this. This is the record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. And then he walks through 42 generations of, of Jesus' ancestry. But at the end, in verse 16, he makes it clear that Joseph is not the father. He's simply the husband of Mary, who's the mother. Then in verse 18, he begins to share this fascinating story. And I remind you that Matthew actually knew Mary. He actually was a disciple of Jesus. So, so it, it, we should pay a special attention to what he's sharing here. And he tells the story that, that, let me just put it in my language. He says essentially that Mary and Joseph were engaged. And, and the engagement period was a two-year process. The first year is engagement. Second year is marriage. The engagement period was as was as binding as the marriage, except for there's no sexual relations. And it is in that first year, shout first year, that Mary comes to Joseph and she says, Joseph, I really don't understand. I, I don't know how to tell you this. And I need you to kind of sit down. And I need you to just kind of catch your breath for a moment. And, and, and I, I want you to remember how much you love me. You really, do you love me, Joseph? Yes, I love you. Well, okay, here's the deal. I'm pregnant. What? Listen. I didn't do anything wrong. God did it. Are you crazy? <laughs> Very practical. The scriptures kind of roll through it, but, but, but you get it. You know, uh, uh, the next verse 19, it says that, uh, that he was a, uh, a good man. And so he did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement Quietly. Now, I like that. Everybody shout, he's a good man. You know what that reminds us? That one of the things that pain reveals in our lives, when you and I, when our hearts are broken, how we respond to that brokenness reveals what character we have. 
And even though he felt betrayed and embarrassed and ashamed uh, 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 and, and, and dogged out by Mary, he, his character, would not allow him to dog her out. That's just an insight. That was worth showing up for right there. And so he's trying to figure it out. Then verse 20 kicks in. It says, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord. Tell somebody, it would take an angel. It would take an angel. <laughs> it would take an angel. Showed up and said, said, Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. What she told you is true. The child that is within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So now the angels told Joseph, go ahead and marry this woman that you love. And the question now is in Joseph's mind, well, wait a moment. The child is not mine. What do you want me to do with this child that's not mine? So here comes verse 21. And the angel makes it clear. And she will have a son. And you are to name him, shall name him. In the Jewish tradition, it was uniquely the right of the man to exercise his legal authority over the family by naming the child. The act of naming the child meant that in that moment of naming, Joseph legally becomes the child's adopted. Somebody shout, adopted father. And he names him Jesus. Doesn't it blow your mind that the one who would ultimately be Jesus, the Messiah, who would change and alter the course of history and die on Calvary's cross and open up salvation and redemption for the entire world was adopted. And he did all of that, not in spite of the fact that he was adopted, but he did all of that through being adopted. I make this point because some of us who have been adopted or foster kids or have step-parents, we look back on the moment of being adopted as a moment of profound brokenness in our lives. But I'm challenging you to look back on that moment when you were adopted and see it possibly as a moment when your life was profoundly blessed. Profoundly blessed. I, I got to know my grand. My, uh, my, my birth mom before she died. Three months before she died, just when we were getting close, she was diagnosed with cancer. I just found out about three months before. And in a dialogue with her, she articulates something that I want folk who are here who may be adopted to hear this. She, she says to me, I have always second-guessed myself about giving you up. And I just want y'all to hear this. Any parent who gives up a child does so with the prayer that by giving the child up, the child will have a better life and a better opportunity than what the child would have with them. And so when she said that, I jumped because I, I had lived long enough. I'd gotten to know my, 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 my birth sisters and, and, and relatives, and I knew all of that. And I knew what God had done for my life. I'd come a long way from eight years old. And I, I, I said to her, I said, wait a moment. That was the best thing you could have done for me. And I laid it out for her. I said, listen, because you gave me to my grand aunt and uncle, 
I'm the first in this family to graduate from high school and go to college. The first to graduate from college and the only one to graduate from college and earn a graduate degree. And the only one from this family to get married and stay married to the same person for 32 years. You bless me. And by the way, in that house, I met Jesus. Come on now. And he wasn't a baby, but he was the savior of the world. And he redeemed my life. Thank you, mom. For blessing me. That's an insight that pops out when we look at the Christmas story and who Jesus was. Another insight that pops out is when we look at Joseph in particular. I, I, I love the fact that most Christmases we talk about Mary. It was a wonderful thing to talk about Mary for. In fact, she was a virgin. She was faithful. It's a wonderful moment for women to feel proud about being women, if you will, in the world and in the kingdom and to be reminded how God uses women to do the, the improbable and the impossible. But I like Matthew because Matthew he focuses on the men. And I think I got some men in the house. Do I got any men in the house? I don't know. Do I got some men in the house? And, 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 and what Matthew reminds us as he focuses on the men is that God just doesn't use faithful women. God knows how to use faithful men. Come on now. Uh, uh, and, and, and Joseph is Jewish and he's, he's a man of faith. He believes in God. But it's only when he decides to open up his life, open up his house, open up his culture and receive Jesus into his house, into his life, into his culture, into his heart. It's only then that he discovers that it is not just that he believes in God, but God has always believed in him. Oh, did you hear that, guys? Did you hear that? Listen, Joseph discovered that from the beginning of time, God had designated him to be the father of Jesus. Come on, he had a plan worked out for him. Now, Joseph, although he was the son of David, that was the ancestral line, he was far removed from that history. Joseph was a regular, everyday man. He had no popularity beyond his, his village. He was a carpenter. His, his tools of the day was hammers and nails and, and lumber. And when we look at this story, it is a reminder that God is looking and searching for everyday regular men, not, not perfect men, but faithful men. Come on now. Not men with everything right, but men with a heart that says, I want to be something for God one day. And if you let God come into your life, he will take you and change history with you. I'm telling you. At least he'll change the history of your family line. Somebody say, wow. My, my, my. So I learned that when I look at, when I look at Joseph. The other thing I learned as I look at Joseph is I have to pull my watch off because it's an Apple watch, as you might imagine, and it goes off. It thinks I'm having a heart attack. <laughs> it was saying, have you fallen? Are you okay? 
yes, I'm okay. I'm just talking about Jesus. I'm just talking. But, but it doesn't understand that I got to pull it off. I got to pull it off. You got to pull it off. <laughs> when Joseph discovers who he is, bye. Everybody say bye. He only makes this discovery after he welcomes Jesus. He starts to live his life on a total different level. I told him last night, there's at least three levels that we can live our lives on. One level I simply call the consumer level. Everybody shout consumers. You know, we're all in some sense or another consumers, but I'm really talking about that person whose chief paradigm for her or his life is taking. That, 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 that person who, uh, you know, who when you see somebody else in need, uh, you don't feel a responsibility to help them because you're just simply focused on yourself. And, you know, when you show up at house, everybody cleans but you. I make them. When, 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 when you go to work, you think the world revolves around you. When, when you think about life, you're always thinking about what's the next thing you can acquire. Shout, consumers. It's one level to live on, but I would argue it is certainly not the most fulfilling level. There's another level that we can live our lives on, and it is a, it is a glorious level. It is the level of the givers, shout givers, givers, givers. And some of you are really givers, and, and, and we teach being generous here. You saw what we did for these two schools. It, it mirrors the character of Jesus as we seek to be givers. The Bible says it is more blessed to give than to receive. Yet there is a potential seduction even in giving. For example, we live in this affluent Silicon Valley, and from time to time, those of us who are pursuing the next ladder on the career, we may end up missing the child's birthday or missing the child's game or missing that important moment in our relationship. And so we can make the mistake that by purchasing presents wrapped up in a box that somehow it substitutes for our personal and I just want to tell you that at the end of the day, come on now, I don't care how expensive the presence is wrapped up in the box. It is and will always be an inadequate substitute for you. But then there's a third level of living. Joseph finds himself living on this level. It is a discovery that he makes. It, so one can be a consumer, one can be a giver, but I argue that the best level to live on is, is to live on the level of recognizing that your life is a gift. Come on, tell the person next to you, your life is a gift. Did you know that? Oh my gosh, listen, listen. When Joseph discovered how he was in God's plan by saying yes to Jesus, he discovered, watch this, that he had been born so that his life could be a gift to God. Because, you know, in Jesus, God was present. And so it would then be a uh, 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 Joseph opening up his house. And that's where Jesus would sleep and would grow up. It would be Joseph opening up his, his refrigerator and his food. That's where Jesus would be fed and nurtured as he grows up. It would be Joseph opening up his heart and loving and sharing and teaching him the carpentry skills, if you will. Uh, uh, that's how he would provide for Jesus as Jesus would go from being a baby to an adult. And at the end of the day, uh, since 
in Jesus there was God, Joseph's life was, in fact, a gift to God. All right, here's an insight. Some of you will, will, will hopefully this will be enlightening. God made each of us to first be a gift unto himself. Tell the person next to you, God made you a gift for himself. Okay. You know, this is such a radical thing that I need to work with this a little bit. This is so, because we're so far removed from this. I, I want you to say this with me. Say it out loud. Say, God has made me a gift unto himself. Isn't that deep? Oh, my God. This is why the scripture says, when he says, name him Jesus, because he will save his people. Say his people. Shout his people. From, shout their sins. Their sins. And, 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 and this, this notion, everybody say his people. When you realize that even before you knew God, he says to you what he said to Jeremiah, that before you were in your mother's womb, I had called you and ordained you as a, as a role, as a prophet in the world. In other words, before you were in mama's womb, I had called out a place for you in my will. You were born. You didn't know it. You, 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 you were dealing with adoption. You were dealing with foster parents. You were dealing with orphanages. But, but you've always been a gift unto myself. He says, well, God, and I want you now to be a part of my family. That's the point of Christmas. Come on. I want you to be a part of my family. And somebody's saying here, but, but God, I don't qualify to be a part of your family because you, you obviously don't know my, my life. I've got drugs and alcohol in my, in my, in my history. And, and Jesus says, uh, God says to Jesus, yes, but I love you and I want you to be a part of my family. And somebody says, well, no, I, I'm a corporate exec and, and I've been successful in the world, but my family has fallen apart and there are affairs and traumas in my life. God says to Jesus, yes, I know, but I still love you and I want you to be a part of my family. And somebody says, but I'm homeless and I'm unemployed and I don't qualify. I'm, I'm like the little drummer boy. I have nothing to offer fitting for a king, but God says, yes, but I love you and I want you to be a part of my family. Oh, they kicked me out of the house. Nobody likes me on my job. I know, but I came through Jesus to die for you because I love you and I want you to be a part of my family. Somebody says, shout, tenacious love. Tenacious love. I want you to be a part of my people. Who, me? Me? Well, how do I do that? Come here, Paul. Tell me what happens in Ephesians 1. Come here, Paul. He lays it out. He says, I'm glad you asked that question. I've already got the answer figured out. He says, even before God made the world, he loved us, that's all of you, and chose us, that's all of you, in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. And God decided, shout in advance, to 
adopt us. Come on, shout adopt us. That's how I become a part of his people. He says, I want to adopt you into his own what? By bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This he decided to do and it brought him great pleasures. Me? Yes. Somebody. You know, one thing about the gospel is it takes the mighty and the powerful and the wealthy and it humbles them. It takes the poor and it elevates them. At the end of the day, we all find ourselves like the little drummer boy standing before the baby Jesus saying, I have nothing fitting to bring to a king. Oh, I hear the powerful and wealthy say, wait a minute, don't include me in that group. He says, because I've got, I got lots of money and I, I, could, I could offer but hear what God says to the psalmist in Psalms 50. He says, I want you to hear me. I'm God that you're talking to. Psalms 50 and verse 9 and 10. And he says, he says, he says, he says, but I do not need bulls or goats from your pens. All the animals of the forest belongs to me. I, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. What you think you can offer me? Come on now. Uh, uh, he said, well, I got money. I own the stock market. Come on. He said, wait, wait, wait one moment. Uh, go to Haggai 2.8. He says, listen, all the gold, all the silver belongs to me. Come on now. So, so what are you going to do? You're going to buy God a Lexus? What are you going to do? You're going gonna to give him Mercedes when he rides on the light of the eternity? Come on. What are you going to do? House him in a mansion when all of creation cannot hold him? At the end of the day, we're all tattered broken, sinful, poor men and women standing before the Savior of the world asking, can I play my drum for you? Will you take my life? Will you take the sounds from my service? Will you take the sounds of forgiveness that I'm beating, the sounds of tenacious love? You see, here's the wonderful thing, that when God makes us a gift unto himself, he then saves us so we can be a gift to the world. Come on now, come on now. Tell the person next to you, he's talking to you, he's talking to you. Come on now, he saves us so we can be a gift to the world, he says. And he welcomes you to play your drums. Come on. And, and, and he says, here's one of the ways. Yes, serve is important. That's what we did. But one of the most important things God says, I want you to learn from me through Jesus, is that I'm so tenaciously committed to you that, that, that no matter who you are and what you've done, I will not give up on you. That's why I ended up going to the cross. That's why I ended up shedding my blood. So that all that stuff you were talking about that tatters your life, it's, I, I want to cover it under my blood. I wanna, my, my blood is an atonement for that stuff you've done. And it'll be an atonement for the stuff that you have done. And it's going to create a space of grace. And I'm going to set you free from guilt. And I'm going I'm to set it up so that you can just play the drum. You can, you can live a faithful life. You can live a life of obedience. You can live a life of forgiving others who hurt you. You can live a life of holding on to those who your heart says let go you can live a life of being my tenacious example of a love that won't let you go do you want to play your drum for Jesus amen give God a hand praise